Yo, what's up, guys? You could have been listening to any other podcast in the world right now, but you're not. You're here listening to mine, and I appreciate you. On this podcast, we'll be sharing stories with people from all walks of life, talking about their journeys, their passions, and any struggles along the way. I'm here to help the stigma around mental health. I'm here to learn with you, get inspired, and have a laugh, and grow into the best version of ourselves. Hi, I'm your host, Craig Howard, and this is the next episode. Hey, what's up guys? Craig here. Thanks for tuning into the next episode. I hope you all have been enjoying the episodes. There's been some really inspiring and interesting conversations with my guests. I want to take this time to show my gratitude. I'm very thankful that you guys, the listeners, have been sharing the episodes around on your socials, tagging your friends on Insta or Facebook. In turn, guys, look, that really helps me out. It helps me to get noticed to hopefully climb the podcast education, well-being and real talk charts. It, it helps in so many ways. It'll, it'll allow me to reach out to, to potential guests with large following to then spread the word quicker and connect on a bigger level, a bigger audience, if you will. Look, I'm going to continue to provide knowledge and awareness around mental health. It's a passion of mine to give back, and this is how I'm choosing to do so. I've recently seen a lot more males showing their support and raising awareness in a way that, look, I've never seen. I've never seen this before. It's, you know, whether that's raising money for, for charities and supporting the, the living brand, running events. It, um, look, it feels really good to be living in a country where we take each other's well-being seriously. It's truly powerful. I watched an episode recently during the week on the project. Uh, it had Peter Hallier, he was talking about losing uh, one of his close mates and he summed it up perfectly. We should never stop talking or assuming everyone is okay. By them just saying they are fine, sometimes there's a mask. Watch your friends closely for, for signs, potentially maybe like poor body language or weak handshakes, not smiling often. But mainly guys, just keep being a supportive friend. Be the friend that your friend can turn to and chat whenever they feel like it, whenever they're going through something. It's a good thing to be that friend. With the guests that I've had on so far, you know, it shows you that mental health doesn't discriminate. I'm really, really enjoying connecting with you, my listeners. So please reach out, you know, send me a message. Keep on sharing the podcast around. You know, look, I really am just getting started. I want to keep providing value through my guests. I plan to keep on talking to as many different types of people who I think are inspiring and interesting and has a story to tell for you all to hear. Let's keep growing and learning and living our most present lives possible. Like I said, I'm sure there'll be an episode you will just need to hear. So please hit that subscribe button to get an alert when a new episode pops up. And, you know, take some time out of your day whenever you can, whenever you listen to podcasts, on your walk, on your commute to work, or, yeah, look, you know, these are real chats and I'm sure you'll get something from them. Now, my next guest has made me really think about how I view mental health, nutrition, and life in general. I learned many new tips on how to handle my anxiety and be more mindful of how my body responds with, with what I put in it. I'm sure you'll be, uh, we'll be connecting uh, again in the future to discuss many more topics, but for now, let's, let's jump into it. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We took the opportunity to record when we could as she lives in New Zealand. So there may be a few little humans running around and playing at some point. It's real, and that's life. She's a very bright woman who dedicates her time to helping others. Christy. 
She is a registered psychologist in New Zealand who is also a certified mental health integrative medicine provider. She brings a holistic approach to her work and is trained as a mindfulness-based eating awareness training facilitator, is a facilitator for the Whole Foods Eating Program, Taste Success, and has a certificate in Kairanga, which is an organic gardening program from a Maori culture and a spiritual perspective. She is passionate about sharing knowledge regarding a holistic approach to mental health through her Mood Food Psychology page. I want to give a, uh, a warm welcome to my next guest, Christy Howard. Welcome, Christy. G'day. Nice to be here. Oh, thanks so much for joining me here today. Um, it's a pleasure. Giving me your time and, you know, um, it's uh, it's really good to see you. Yep, you too. It's, um, what was the last time I saw you? Was it a couple of years ago? Was it? No. No, six months ago. Chris, six. Where, where are we now? We're in July. What did Christmas. We, Christmas? Yeah, Christmas. What? What did I say a couple of years ago? <laughs> I don't I just, know. It just felt like it was that long ago. It does. It does feel like that <laughs> A couple of years. <laughs> No, um, look, guys. Um, uh, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give to Christy just to give a, you know, give you guys a bit of a rundown, of, you know, a bit of an intro, if you will, Christy. Yeah, you know, sure. maybe a little bit about maybe just your uh, professional yep. uh, title. Yeah. So I'm a psychologist. I'm a generalist psychologist. So um, I know these days a lot of psychology specialise in in different areas like clinical psych, forensic, child and youth. But I went through the generation where it was generalist psychologists. We sure. didn't specialise. Okay. Um, we just got a broad overview of a variety of different areas. And then, and then, would that make you have to then find what you wanted to, um, I guess, pass forward? Like, what what was what what grabbed you out of all those things? The broad sort of yeah. spectrum of things. What was like the so I that you uh, felt you know that you wanted to like pursue more of and learn more about that sort of because yeah. as psychologists there's so many different areas areas absolutely so for me health psychology was what I ended up choosing to do okay um, I didn't originally think I'd ever do therapy that was it's weird that I'm here now um, where I started off not knowing really what psychology was about. But just loving it, absolutely loving it, and thinking I would end up doing research. Sure. That was my bag. Okay. I was geeking on research. Research, yep. Um, statistics, I, data, yeah, you know, like. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, and I used to get so frustrated with counselling psychology. Like it was wishy washy to me when I was going through uni. Okay. I thought, this is a load of crap. <laughs> I, I want hard data. I want facts. Yeah, facts. <laughs> um, but then a few, I had a few experiences overseas and I came back quite transformed by them and, and wanting to look more holistically about um, what are the factors that influence mental health. So rather than a typical biomedical model that looks at mental illness from, you know, this is an issue that exists within you. So um, I wanted to broaden out. I want because I, I saw when I was working overseas um, these broader systemic um, and social justice issues were impacting on mental health. Um, and so I wanted to go into that direction, into a space that said, um, what are some of the broader holistic areas that impact on mental health, not just on someone's innate biology or genetics? So health psychology kind of takes you more there. It's got this um, what's called a biopsychosocial model, and it looks at those different dimensions um, that impact on health and well-being. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so it, so health and well-being, I mean, and then the, is there now, you know, for, for, you know, student psychologists that are studying now in uni, would you say that they, um, 
they have different avenues to go down, like as in studying wise, or is it still quite broad? You would say like how you said that you're studying back. Uh, like how long we no, talking about? When did you oh, study? About not quite twenty years ago. <laughs> okay. Or maybe it was twenty years ago. God, I'm old. It was twenty years ago is I it? started studying. So yeah, um, now it's pretty much all specialisations. Most psychologists will specialise in a particular uh, area. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then would go on to just work in that line. In that area. In that area. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With with um, counselling with counsellors yeah. and 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 psychologists and yeah. and who um, offer. Therapy. Yep. Do do counsellors and, and psychologists and, and and that do they get help themselves? Like, does, they do they? Do. Yeah. They're, they're real people. They're real people. We are real, and we do suffer. Because um, I would do. like to have to think, you know, with the amount of information and yep. the things that you have to um, take yourself, you know, in a uh, an appointment, you yep. know, like to then when that finishes, how do you just? How do you leave that there? Like you, you learn to. So, um, like going back to your first question, do we sorry. get support? No, that's okay. Um, it's part of our actual uh, registration requirements is that we get clinical supervision. Sure. And so that's to reflect on the work that we're doing, and it's also to check on our own welfare and well-being. And um, part of what we should be doing as well as having our own therapy as we go along Um, because this work can be really, really hard and it can have an impact on us. Um, So your second question was uh, how do you finish a session? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like like you just sort of said then, like, you know, some of the sessions that you go through would, I mean, would be quite overwhelming for for anybody. Yep. Um, you know, how do you know when to leave it there? And, you know, that's, that's left there and, and I'm heading home. Yeah. At the beginning, it's really hard. Sure. Really, really, really hard. Um, and you have to develop some rituals, I find, that are most helpful, that route that you do every single time after finishing a session that kind of closes that off and you, you tell your mind you know, this is the end of this session. And as I do this ritual, it's the finish of my day or the finish of my ritual. So often for me, writing up my case notes, yep. that's a completion of that that session. And I, I, you know, in the early days, you would kind of have to um, say that to yourself when now that's just become the the thing that I do and my body seems to know how to do. So over, over time, yep. yeah, you finish up. So over time, you know, it's like anything, you know, time. Yep. Doing uh, repetitive uh, daily same routines, you know, and working on it and, you know, because, like, I have conversations and, and recently with this podcast I've had some conversations and sort of put me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, it's been quite challenging for me because, mm-hmm. you know, like I, you know, I'm not a journalist, I'm not an interviewer, I'm not, yeah. like I said, I'm no therapist, I'm no coach, but I'm having some some um, conversations that sort of hit some um, some emotions for me and, like, to, to then finish, the, you know, the interview or, you know, the recording um, going home, it sort of stays with me. Like yeah. I think about it and, and I guess I am an overthinker. Yeah. Still working on, you know, leaving that energy there and not keeping it in yeah. and, and, and taking on what the person's going through. Yeah. Because that's so challenging for me still, um, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I guess, like you said, it's just a time thing. Hey, it's just t- time to yeah. try keep on yeah. working on those those routines that 
Yeah, it's just challenging for me. Yeah, it really is. I can is. understand that. There are some really cool little techniques. There's one called a de-identification. So sometimes when we're listening to someone's story, if we're very empathic, and we're we're in order to understand another person's story, we kind of got to let ourselves feel it a little bit. So then we've got to give those feelings back and remind ourselves that this is not my story, it's their story. So there's a little de-identification exercise that you can do where you have to say this out loud or write it down. You can't just think it. Yes. Thinking that is no power in that. You need to visually see yourself write it or hear yourself say it. Where you say your name, your age, three things um, that are different between you and that person. Um, so then what give you a sense of like we are different people? We are different. Sorry, it's three things that similar, three things that are different. Okay, yes. Right? So yep. we're gradually creating distance. Um, and then three things you cannot control. Right. Okay. Well, that's a big thing because there's a lot of things I can't control. Right. Um, yep. Pretty much all of it. <laughs> yep. I mean, um, you know, and the conversation comes up where like you may have um, experienced something similar as yep. well. So that would be challenging and, and it is yes, to, you know, because you're invested in a way of um, of being there, yeah. Uh, I just, you know, okay. and then I guess you know to not um, not start to turn it onto yourself to like give you know ha- how you got through it. It's like it's their it's their it's struggle, story. it's their yeah. story. Yeah. So what may have worked for you may not. Yep. work for them and I guess that would just be a yep. that would happen all the time right you know, yeah and I you think have to work that out one thing to remind yourself in in when you're um, identifying with someone's story you've got a shared experience and you've got that impulse to offer advice yep. is to remind yourself what was helpful for you at that time was it someone telling you what to do or was it someone giving you space to help you figure it out and asking good questions to get them to the conclusions that are going to be most helpful for them? Yeah, sure. No, Does that, that make that, sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. It allow, Allowing them to have the space yeah. to and, and ask, ask the right questions but also, yeah, I mean, I guess be the listener that they need. Yeah. yeah. To figure it out themselves because everybody, I believe... Everybody, in most part, knows what they need, but they just need the space to try and figure it out for themselves. And when they figure it out for themselves, it packs a punch. Oh, it's yeah. meaningful. No, it's, what you're saying is... It's a physical sensation of, oh, shit, I get it. That's what I need. That's what i got to do. That's what i got to change. It's different from someone saying, you should do this, this, this and this. What do you do? You kind of... Oh, yeah. you're not listening to me. Oh, for sure, for sure. I was like, what do you know? You know, like I'm, <clears throat> I've dug myself the biggest hole and, and I guess, you know, looking back um, sort of through my journey, the advice that had been given to me w- was always the right advice, you know. It wasn't until I was actually ready yeah. to yeah. Um, to make a change with, um, you know, my, my mental state, how I was living, how I was getting up and taking on my day yeah. to, you know, um, I wasn't ready. And I guess, you know, yeah. that's a, you know, to be aware of um, not going into too hard too soon. Yes. You know? Yeah. So advice isn't awful. It's just, it's that readiness, isn't it? Yes. As you say, right? It's yeah. when it's given the right advice at the right time. Yeah. It's about giving them space to allow them to work it out. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, at the end of, um, at the end of the session or at the end of their time when I guess you almost let them get 
take on life themselves, what has happened in their life or what they've gone through is always going to be there. Mm. Something that they've had to learn to not give it light, you know, and learn to, you know. Um, yeah, and some, I, I like that metaphor, not give it light, that sometimes it is in the dark and you yourself don't quite know what you need until you've had an opportunity to kind of till the soil over. Sure. You know, I'm a gardener, so I use a few gardening metaphors. <laughs> Which, uh, which we'll explore. <laughs> we'll explore a little later on uh, yeah. about Christie's uh, maybe garden addiction, or yeah, just <laughs> if a you will, uh, healthy addiction, mind you. <laughs> yeah. But you need to just like so, just say with a garden, right? I'm going to I'm going to work with this metaphor. If if you've got kind of compacted soil, or um, oh, I can't remember. So, so we'll say compacted soil. The nutrients are there. They're just so compacted. They haven't been turned over to make it available for the roots to take up those nutrients. But but it's there. But it's there. Sure. It just needs to be turned over. I like that metaphor. I like that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Same with us. And we overcomplicate things. We do. Yeah. yeah. We do. And I mean, like it's... um... And if you think again, like taking that metaphor a little bit deeper, you think about what feeds our soil. It's our waste. It's our our shit. You know? It yes. is. That's what we literally put in our soil to break down to then feed us. So by working through our own shit, working through our own waste and the difficult stuff, the stuff we want to push away, that's the richness. So we need to like cipher through. We need cipher to like, through. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Little bit by little bit. They talk about like uh, layers of an onion, you sure. know, just, just layer by layer by layer. Yep. And, and until we get to the point where we go, yeah, this is it. This is what I truly have actually been struggling with. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, back to just, we just touched on a little bit about um, that soil and, and, I, and I want to talk maybe a little bit about the relationship with, with food. Mm-hmm. And the mind and our yep. mental state and, and how we, you know, how we, our thought process. And and, and and I think I touched on before, you know, a little bit off there, Christy, about like people are sensitive with, with their food and, and their food choice. And, you know, oh, I've been, I've been healthy for so long on this particular diet and this and that. But, yeah. but for the people that do um, or have struggled or have, you know, gone through some, some, which like I said, there is no list of the the people or person. You know, you can be you can be the um, CEO, you can be the person down the street just working at the servo. Or, you know, it doesn't. There's no list of like who it affects mental health. You know, um, but from like my knowledge and my experience, I guess um, foods helped me dramatically. Like food has really been one of the key factors into being positive, getting up and starting my day right. Thinking, sleeping, focused, energy, mm-hmm. all those things. It's like, like I said, like oh, you eat good and you're going to feel good. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Mm. Could you be able to help our listeners out and maybe just share a little bit of information, maybe perhaps on like, you know, <laughs> yeah. what your experience is and maybe, you know, some of the information that you've uh, studied yeah. about, you know, yep. about soil and food and, yep. and the relationship with the mind. Like it's a whole sure. other um brain down there is what you know like the stomach's another brain essentially it is they do call what, it the second brain what thinks first the yeah. stomach or the brain yeah yeah i know it's a great uh really interesting an area and this is kind of i i veered off a little bit into um nutritional psychology which quite actually, recently like 
Yeah, within the last couple of years, I, I think, you know, it was a couple of key factors that got me interested in this and they're very much related to my kids. Sure. So I'm incredibly grateful for this. But one, uh, it might be useful to kind of talk about this and then go into a bit more of the research stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, perfect. Um, for me, what triggered this, one was um, when I was pregnant, I got gestational diabetes and I had to... Um, do my blood sugars quite regularly to watch what foods would um, overshoot my blood sugar. And it was an amazing experience to actually see what it was that food actually could affect my blood sugar. And, and then I could see the way it was impacting on my mood. So for me, potatoes, anything to do with potatoes would send my blood sugar through the roof and I would get really kind of high and dizzy and, and then really drop into a space of fatigue afterwards. So I had to cut out potatoes, so chips, everything like that. So that was my kind of first look at going, oh, God, wow, food can influence how I'm feeling. And then I had my beautiful baby girls, twin girls, and um, one of them had colic. So, so what, she, what is that? Just you know, colic is like, well, I don't know what the um, the formal kind of physiology of colic, but basically, it's a kid with a really upset, painful gut. Okay, and so they shriek. And if you have a colicky baby, you know it because they don't scream, they don't cry, they shriek, and they shriek for hours. Okay, so one of my girls had no colic; she was perfect. The other one had awful colic, and she would shriek and shriek and shriek and it was so incredibly hard and I went to doctors and they said look she's just going to have to grow out of it there's nothing we can do and it was actually a child health nurse who suggested I look at infant probiotics and I'd never heard of this before and she'd said to me um, the theory behind this is that um, perhaps my little one didn't have enough um uh, healthy bacteria in her gut and okay. so it was causing her inflammation and pains in her gut and the probiotics was to increase her gut bacteria or improve her microbiome so that she could digest that milk better um, and I went and told my doctor who laughed who literally laughed I can still remember thinking oh, as if it was that easy was the words they used and I said look I'm going to give it a go because I'm out of my mind I need yeah, yeah. something for this child sure and yep. so I went to a naturopath she said, oh, look, I think it'll work if it, if it is to do with her gut um, microbiome, it should improve within three days. You'll notice a difference. So we gave it a go. And on the third day, she stopped shrieking and never shrieked again. And I just went, oh, my goodness, this is amazing that this could have such an impact. Such an effect so quickly. Yeah. And so did that lead to you going, all right, I want to explore it. this. Not wanna... yet. Okay. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I don't want to rush. <laughs> the third thing was, so I was a very busy mum of twins who struggled to sleep. I got very, very exhausted. Sure. And yeah. burnt out. And I was living off caffeine and gummy bears and sour cola lollies, right? I just, I, I just needed energy and I needed to wake up. I had the worst brain fog I've ever had in my life. I just could not seem to get my brain yes. to function and to switch on. And um, I got all the blood tests known to humankind yep. and I just could not switch on. So I um, went to the GP. There was nothing they could help. Um, I then ended up starting a whole foods eating program 
and it took about five days. So I removed all gluten or dairy um, and all sugar and caffeine from my diet. On the fifth day, it felt literally like someone had switched the light back on in my brain. Yes, yep. And all of a sudden I could think, and I was still tired. Like I was still dealing with twins. I was still dealing with um, managing babies and sleepless nights and all of that. So tiredness was still there, but I wasn't brain fog. And all of a sudden I went, this is amazing, you know, having that personal experience and I have to know more about what on earth is going on here to in, to affect me so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's, you know, the change was so dramatic for you, mm. um, you know, that you were curious, you know, to to find out the role of nutrition, right, mm. you know, um, and, and which, you know, I guess plays its part by with mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, overall well-being. And, yeah. And yep. all those things, and and I think um, I just want people just to try it. Yeah, just give it a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, um, yep. like it's not a like. There's so many different diets, and I don't like to call like a whole foods. It's a diet essentially, but it's also a lifestyle. I feel you know if you want to um, take on a um, a, a whole foods um, diet, you know, like are you talking um, more like a plant based? Um, yeah, majority. So, um, or would just you say real food? Whole foods is real food. Yeah, it's just real unprocessed food. food. Sure. And so it sounds super simple, right? Just eat whole foods. Eat your fruit. Eat your vegetable. Eat your nuts. Eat your legumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, mostly plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually really complicated because we've all forgotten how to cook. We we, we buy so much processed food we get processed pasta sauces we mm-hmm. get canned stuff yeah. we get packaged stuff totally and and, and you, you know you talk about those things all the condiments and all the things that yeah. we mix in with our food it's like we if think we, we're cooking when we're throwing in all of the toxic yeah poison paste sugar, and, and prepackaged and, stuff and a lot of people don't realize it's something as simple as i mean you want to eat healthy to feel good and you know in my eyes, like live a long, healthy life, mm. you know, do the, do the best you can, right? But like you said, it doesn't take much to look at the ingredients. And if you've got sugar on the first or second yeah. ingredient. Yeah, as well as yeah. additives, preservatives. Yeah, and all the, yeah, yeah, they try to change it out and they put syrup and they yeah. put, um, you know, like different things to to stumble you or, or, or what. I mean, a lot of people probably don't even check ingredients. They think, oh, you know, like what's in it? Oh, that's all good, you know, yeah. it's a little bit of this and that. But, you know, um. If you can um, take away processed foods and if you can take away, I guess, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, you a good balance, you know, try to live a good, healthy balance. And I'm like, well, what is balance? Mm. What is Because every balance to, you know, everyone is completely different. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and for me, um, it's like, well, why wouldn't you want to eat a, um, a whole food diet that is making me feel just alive? Yeah. Just uh, alert, um, you know, thinking clearer. These are just like some of the small things. And, I, you know, I just like want my listeners or anyone out there that's just to like don't 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 take this, you know, just give it a go. Like yeah. it's not a um, – it's life-changing, <laughs> but it's not, it's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just – it really isn't. And, and oh, I'm just – Well, the benefits are so great um for especially if you do have a heavily processed diet and one with lots of simple carbohydrates your white flours your white sugars um yeah that's it is 
it's a good thing to do it will have a great impact on you but it can be quite challenging to go well if i'm not going to use white flour based products what do i use if i have a lot of pasta what do i use as my alternative so it does require a bit of relearning mm. oh for sure yeah. for sure and and um the benefits are great the benefits are endless yeah endless yeah. you just you know um and i think as time goes on with me and my diet like i would really love to explore a more of a raw um I'm more of a raw diet, eating more raw foods. Um, but for me, it's quite, I like rice, you know. Like yeah. So in some ways it's probably not sustainable for me um, and what I like, you know. But and, and then it's kind of substituting, you know, thinking, well, I really like rice and rice isn't bad, but maybe go whole grain rice. Mm. So it's not such a hit of, of glucose into your bloodstream. Sure. You know, so often with the, the heavily processed stuff, your white-based stuff, it, it's already been pre-processed. So it hits your bloodstream as glucose or sugar, and it can give you a bit of a high um, as it increases the blood sugar uh, levels. But then that will trigger insulin. And insulin, uh, if you've got too much blood sugar, too much, sorry, too much too quick, um, then insulin will overshoot and then you'll have a sudden drop in yeah, your blood sugar decline. levels. Yeah. And blood right. sugar influences your mood. So if you get low blood sugar, you'll have low mood, fatigue, brain fog. Yeah. And most people, and this is certainly how quick fix, I quick was. Quick fix, quick yeah, fix, quick, quick fix, fix, yeah. And, and your body goes into, mm. I'm going to die mm. if I don't have enough sugar or glucose in my body because that's what fuels me. And so your body will make you crave instant sugar and so you get hooked into the roller coaster of a sudden rush of sugar yes. to then a drop 40 yeah. minutes later to too low to then a desperate craving for more sugar. So your body and, and your balance, it's just all over the shop. And it's all and over then, the shop. And then, you know, of course, then that is going to, um, you know, interfere with your mental state right. and it's going to make me feel, yeah. you know, like uh, it's drugs essentially. It you is. know, I'm higher and I'm yeah. low and I'm, you know, tired and I'm up and I'm down. And because low and, blood sugar, um, it changes your behaviour because you you want that sugar desperately. You want it, your body needs it instantly. So your desire will not be for whole grain rice. It'll be for white rice or packet chips or chocolate yeah, yeah. because it wants the, the sugar in the bloodstream immediately. So then your health behaviours um, have a, another effect on your well-being because the sugar becomes inflammatory as well. Okay, okay. Um, and you're not getting the nutrients into your gut so if you're eating packet chips there's very little nutrients in packet chips you're filling your gut you might as well eat the paper that well, it came in with yeah potentially especially because <laughs> of the toxins in the chips as well so the flip on that like one thing um with the whole overeating you know and and how you know our portions are just crazy for for westerners i guess you know how that what we i guess um you know see as a main meal you know it's just such a huge amount of food you know yeah. and like how and like i know that you've done um you know some uh bit of study i guess or you know and you're learning a bit more about um and passionate mm. you know about you know the relationship with food to the to the mind and how we overeat and um yeah i mean the whole the little sultana um, you know, um, I guess, uh, example, yeah. um, you know, how, you know, you have chew of the sultana, you, you get everything out of it, but yeah. you know, we yeah. tend to open up the packet as kids and just scoff the whole packet down and it's yeah. down. Like, I guess trying to 
get that initial endorphin, that, that, that hit, if yeah, you will. Yeah, and, and I think, so we use the sultana in particular for that exercise because we don't eat them one at a time. We eat them by the handful. Yes, just like we do with crisps sure. and, and other chocolates and what have you. We eat, we just shove them down. And there's a lot of research and food science that goes into trying to find your sweet spot, getting getting you to that point where you want to keep going back for more. Yep. Okay. Right? What we know, if you so we do this in mindfulness-based eating awareness program where we're not necessarily the sultana, but they might the your comfort foods. So it might be chips or cheese and crackers. Yep, sure. Yeah. And eat it really, really slowly, or a chocolate chip cookie, right? Right. And you, what you notice is in the first moments you get the sweetness, usually the salt or the sweetness. There's a lot of research to make sure it's the perfect amount of salt or sweetness. Yeah, it's a business out there. It is, <laughs> Smart. It is to hook you. <laughs> In and then you get it and you get that hit and it feels great. If you leave that chip or cheese and crackers in your mouth um, and just let it sit there and chew really slowly, you will notice that that salt or that sweetness lasts a very, very small amount of time. Sure. And what is left is like a soggy piece of cardboard. It's just a quick hit. Just a quick hit. But what you end up doing <laughs> is that you chase the flavour and so you keep going back for more to get that original to hit get that initial hit yeah of sugar but what actually the physiology of our taste is that you will never get that original hit in an episode of eating so you're going back to chase the flavor and so food scientists know this you want to go back to get that original hit felt so great but you'll never get that original hit again in that one episode right so part of this program is slowing your eating down so you can see that happen and you can see and taste the flavour um, of the food once the sugar or the salt is gone. And this is especially true for processed foods because okay. you get that initial hit and you're desperate for um, for wanting that again. Um, and, like, I'm guilty. Yeah. You know, and I'm we're guilty. All are. Yeah, we're but all I was are. really guilty, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, and I guess... Yeah, just trying to be more mindful of, you know, how much I consume and, and, and what, you know, just you like that example that you said, it's like people's, I know of, of friends that are, who have, you know, stopped sugar, you know, trying to go for like a two week sort of stint on no sugar mm. and they've gone and said, you know, I try have a piece of chocolate after that mm. and it's just so sweet. Yes. Like literally cannot, yep. like it's too yeah. sweet. Absolutely. Yep. You know, your taste buds change. Just change. And that's the thing. They it doesn't take change. long. Yeah. People think that. You know, yep. it's just going to take forever to, you know, change what I enjoy and what I, you know, like, it really doesn't. Hey, no, it's yeah. a sacrifice. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's discipline or whatever you will. Um, yeah. But to to um, just that first that initial couple of weeks, you really can just change your taste buds. Absolutely. And, um, and, and then, you know, and just stick with it. Yeah. And one of the wonderful things I think happens as well, rather than chasing sugar or salt, is that you chase true flavour. And so I've noticed coming off all of that, I actually am eating whole foods. I want complexity in my food. I want I want spices mm-hmm. and, and and different different flavors sure. yeah. across my tongue. Yeah, definitely. And I just love it. Yeah. It's not just one thing, not just sugar, and it's not just salt. Anymore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I completely agree. Um, and, and I talk about that, like you know, um, with. Uh, uh, with meat eaters, I, I, I guess, um, where 
you know, do you enjoy eating meat? That is the question. You know, like, what do you get out of eating just like just steak, just you know, just cooked on its own? Yeah. yeah. Because you know, for um, when I was eating meat, it was the sauces, the yeah. spices, the salts, the oils. You know, the, the garlic mushrooms. And I said, well, you know, that's all the flavour. Now I eat all that flavour, you know, yeah, and yeah. I cook that up with my stir fries, my vegetable, you know, and then, you know, that's. Um, and you don't feel like you're missing anything. Well, you don't. Yeah. If anything, you, the, yeah, no, the flavour's there. Yeah. It's, you know, you don't miss out on anything. Because um, it doesn't really have a flavour. doesn't have a flavour. No. Exactly. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you can do that. Yep. One, you're helping the environment. Yep. Which is an amazing thing. Why wouldn't you want to help the environment? Yep. That's important, That's most really importantly. Important, yeah. Two, you're helping yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, is if you know, why wouldn't you want to like feel good and you know put put good food into your yeah. into your body? It's yeah. just, I mean, like, I'm I I don't have the information as in like to I wish I I wish I could just turn everybody just by communication, you know. But like yeah. it is, and this has been around for years. It's just like putting old dirty fuel in a car. It's just going to putter along, yep. and you're just going to just slowly get there, and it might break down here and there. Yeah. But if you can do your absolute best um, and be mindful of what you're eating and how much you eat, yeah, yeah, and all those things, I mean, um, you will just see a huge change in everything it- about your life. And if you think about it, we are the nutrients. Like our physical being, not just our mental health, is based on what we eat. We build ourselves based on the nutrients that we're putting into our body. So what kind of body do you want to have? You know, that's the question you need to keep asking. And if you think about mental health, um, you know, our brain, in order for it to function well, it needs nutrients. That's how we function. Mm-hmm. And the only way it can access that nutrients is actually by consuming food with nutrients, with nutrients in it. To support. To support a healthy, a healthy because brain. Because I think people who may, may you know, depressed or, 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 you know, anxiety and these sort of words come to mind when they – they go for comfort food, you know, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get food that makes you, like you said, you know, hit those endorphins to make you sort of yeah. – when people are down or gone through a hard time, it's like they don't want to be oh, – you know, essentially now for me it's like cooking a healthy meal is easy for me now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I do know. I do know that it was just easy enough to go down and get some, um, you know, burger or some pizzas and, you know, you just – and you just dwell on that. Because you're, you're kind of fatigued a lot of the yeah. time. Sure, you I know? And, um, or if you're anxious, you're mm-hmm. desperate for energy and energy Could, sugar quick yep, fix. Yep. So you go for your fast foods. Yeah, and it's there. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, as much as they uh, like to advertise, you know, that this is, you know, this much percentage left and, you know, in, in the burger or this has got, you know, this is a, a um, 20% less, you know, saturated fat and this and that. And yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. cook your own food. Yeah. And <laughs> know what you get. <laughs> I want to be really clear. It's not the whole picture, all right? So nutrition isn't the whole answer, but it but it could be a big part of that uh, piece of the puzzle. Mm. And it's worth looking at sure. because uh, the nutrients we get from our food are the building blocks of – so if you think about even the neurotransmitters in our brain, so things like serotonin, dopamine, GABA – 
these are the neurotransmitters that make us feel good. So serotonin is, most people know about because it's um, what we're trying to target with antidepressants. Sure. So we're trying to increase the amount of serotonin in between the neurotransmitters, um, or the neurons, sorry. Um, and 90% of our serotonin is made in the gut based on the food that Whoa, we eat. Whoa, nah, see, I didn't know that. Right? Like I knew that we naturally produce serotonin, but I, I like, so that's, that's, that's actually supposed Supporting it, that's actually making it like yeah, you've yeah. – no, nah, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, GABA is made – so GABA is like an anti-anxiety neurotransmitter and um, majority of GABA is made in your small intestine, I think it is. Okay. So your gut starts with your mouth and goes all the way down to your colon. And it's again, it's made through the digestion of the foods that we're – that we're eating. So our neurotransmitters, the stuff that makes us feel good, is based on what we're eating. If we're not getting enough good food, good nutrient-dense food, our body, our brain is kind of starving of those nutrients and it doesn't work so well. So that's one of the way nutrients and the, what you eat can influence um, your mood. So I just wanted to, to talk about a couple of studies that might be really useful for listeners yeah, to sure. know about. Yes. So I was recently listening to Bonnie Kaplan. Um, she's a research psychology psychologist in the States, and um, she was talking about these two particular studies. So one was looking at um, niacin deficiency, which is vitamin B3, and this can cause psychosis um, and death at the worst case scenario and they um, were saying that there was a hospital in the US that estimated that one in five so 20% of emissions uh, for psychosis would were due to niacin deficiency between 1930 and 1932 so between that period so a deficiency in just one nutrient caused 20% of psychosis symptoms which is just incredible. And you think about that's one nutrient, right? One vitamin. What about all the other vitamins and minerals that we require to function at well. our best? So, <laughs> like, she poses the question, are we understanding mental um, illness correctly? Is it possible that some of this stuff that we're looking at is actually nutrient deficiency? Um, and if it is, you know, maybe we need to be looking at that a little bit more closely because it's quite interesting. Um, as soon as a mental illness presentation um, is found to be caused by a nutrient deficiency, it no right. longer becomes a psychiatric illness. It becomes a symptom of a nutrient deficiency. So what is yeah, – yeah, makes you question what is – and, and, and so the study, or you know, it goes along until it's not – to do with that and then it's another cause and then until something else triggers that and it's something different. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, another study she looked at um, so interesting. was yeah. called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment and this was done after World War II in the 1950s and they wanted to look at the, the impact of starvation. Okay. So they got a group of healthy college students. Yes. And they What's healthy? Well, yeah, yeah. for college yeah. students. Yeah. We're just healthy guys. Just, okay, right? sure. Yeah. 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 They'd, yeah. They'd, they'd no health, no health. No yeah. health issues. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they reduced their nutrients for 24 weeks. And so obviously there's a lot of physiological problems, but what was interesting was the amount of psychological or psychiatric issues these 
young uh, men developed. So they found they had depression, hysteria, irritability, self-mutilation, apathy, lethargy, social withdrawal and inability to concentrate. So I think it's really kind of useful to remind ourselves that we're all vulnerable to the impact of a low or a poor diet um, and how that might impact in terms of mental health symptoms. This stuff really can affect us. Yeah, that's some really useful information there, Christy. I mean, like that's some of those things that like I've never even um, well, thought about, I guess, you know, but the information's there and the facts have been there for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on something that's close to my heart and something that has been, you know, one of the driving forces in this podcast and that's to do with anxiety, yeah. something that I have um, dealt with for a long time and something that I've had to like learn to deal with. I think with my experience and and with many other people that now I have um, you know spoken to and and being able to be open up a little bit about my journey you know a little bit about like my experiences a lot of people can relate you know it's a common thing yeah and like I guess what I want to try achieve here uh, through hopefully the many many episodes of this podcast is just to like make it a starting just as a conversation. It's really useful. What I have found useful for clients um, is to get a good understanding of what's going on for your body when you're getting anxious, when you're getting panicky. So if you think about your own experiences, yeah. So what, you know, what do you notice physiologically when you're getting anxious? What are some of the things that come up for you? Um, Well, for me, so like I like, I get all tense, you yep. know. Yep, I get tense. This is what you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, so for me, so it's quite easy for me to explain. Actually, like for me, and for so long, I would lock my jaw up, mm. you know, and I'd be so tight, so tense um, that there was no um, because I was so tight and so tense, and and, and chest was just, you know. Uh, tight, and my heart would brace. I wasn't allowing myself to then. Um, to breathe and slow down and think clear because I was so into like how I was feeling that I had like I wasn't allowing myself to just. So you noticed there was a change in your breathing. You weren't breathing massively. Yeah, I would hold my breath for hold so breath. long, yep. so yep. long that it became a part of my personality yep. that I thought if so, I knew nothing about anxiety. I knew nothing about my um, how I was going through life. Yeah. It yeah. was such a challenge for me yeah. that I would – I literally thought that I was just the only person in the world feeling like this, yeah. that even in, its, in, even in a conversation that I knew lots of information about or a conversation that was so easygoing, mm. inside I was so tired and so mm. tense and so like just struggling to have the conversation even though the conversation may come off perfectly because there's good anxiety and there's bad anxiety. It's just how you use it. Yeah. Was it hard to find the words? Is that hard to find Um, what you're thinking? It was just such – it was so tiring for one Um, and it it used to to affect me in a way where – um, I would, um, yeah, I'd struggle to find the words. Yeah. And so then I'd come unstuck and then I guess then I'd self-doubt would play that I couldn't have these conversations with people because yeah. I'd made myself out and I'd worked myself up in such a, you know, yeah. Yeah. A way that like it was just challenging. And that was just every day that was at work or that was just down at like talking to the cash, you know, person at the Woolies or like, yeah. you know, like yeah. it was just a daily thing. Yeah. 
um, that I struggle dealing with it in that kind of way. Does that make sense? That like, does. That know? does. And if you think, so it can be useful understanding anxiety from a physiological perspective because usually anxiety, there's a cognitive component and there's a felt experience of anxiety. Okay, sure. And they are connected. And then, they, then you get the behaviour as a way of trying to reduce that anxiety or avoid anything mm-hmm. that creates that, that awful feeling. So anxiety is very much an overactive nervous system. So there's a part of your brain called your amygdala, or Amy for short, right? It's in the middle part of your brain. And this is your um, fight or flight response, your survival response, your smoke detector. Okay. Right? It's always looking for threat in the environment. Um, some people's nervous system They could be born with a a very sensitive nervous system, so it's quicker to react. Some people through life, it gets trained to be quicker. Right, right? okay. So your Amy, your amygdala will start um, perceiving threat in situations. And our bodies respond to threat um, as if it's a life threat. So Amy, in her head, she smells smoke, and it could be simply... I'm worried what they think about me. So our modern day threats aren't chasing a, having been chased by, you know, a saber-toothed tiger yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, it could be not being able to pay the bill. What's this person going to think <laughs> of me? <laughs> but we physiologically still respond the same as if I'm going to die. Yeah, right? yes, so yeah, okay. it mobilises the body to fight or flee, literally mobilises the body. So if you're going to fight or flee, run the hell out of there, what do you need to do to fight or flee physically? We need blood to our major parts of our body, right? Sure. So in order to get sugar energy, yes, we need blood pump into those parts. Right. Yeah. So how do we get blood pump into those parts of the body, your major muscles? What do we do? Movement. No? Breathing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you get Sorry, blood flow, though, move, movement. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, yep. Yeah. So breathing. Breathing, yeah, makes right? Sense. So because by breathing, that pushes the blood through the body mm-hmm. to the organs that yes, need Yes, I understand. So, yep, circulating. Yeah. Yes. So in a threat situation, your your mind has gone, there's a threat. Okay. Um, I'm going to respond physiologically to that threat as if I'm going to die, so I need to fight or flee. Yeah, Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Oh, totally sense, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to send blood and energy to my major muscles Mm. we start getting tense muscles because we are preparing our body to fight or flee we um blood flow gets distributed there our breathing changes dramatically so any emotion is linked to a certain breathing pattern with anxiety it's usually high up in the chest very shallow and so a lot of people get very tight in the chest because they've instead of breathing deep into Mm -hmm. the belly they're now and it's irregular. There might be lots of pauses and then... Yep. And that activates this sympathetic nervous system, this fight or flight response. We, am I... Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no, it does yeah. because... Sorry, because I know that, you know, then that and heightens everything and then that yeah. leads to panic attacks and, you know... Yeah. so this is mm. this part... So, so by controlling your breathing, controlling and then spreading the blood flow through your body, it's allowing yeah. you... To fight and flee. So physiologically, your body, anxiety mm-hmm. and panic is... 
a physiological response to a perceived threat. So we're getting that tension, we're getting um, the breathing changes, our digestive system shuts down. So this is useful in terms of what then happens to nutrients if you're always stressed because our body goes, this is not needed for survival. Yeah, I will yeah. shut down my digestive system. So that's often why we get a dry mouth and okay. or tightness in our throat, Yes, people will often say. Um, and it's because our digestive system slowed right down. It's, 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 oh, that's amazing. So people with stress often have irritable bowel syndrome oh. or gut digestive issues. Right. Because they've got chronic sympathetic activation, your, your threat system's being activated, and your digestion system cannot work well under sympathetic load because your energy yeah, is going towards survival, right? Oh, Makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. So why why do we shake? Why do we shake when we're nervous, when we're anxious? Physiologically, what is what could? That why do we mean? shake? Yep. Well, we shake because we're nervous, but yep. why are we nervous? Our body's or? very wise. It always will do something in, in order to look after you and keep the body in survival. So if you're not moving and you're sitting there very still, feeling very stressed and anxious, mm -hmm. you're all this energy and blood pumped to your major muscles, your arms, your legs, and you're not moving, so it's trapped. So in order to release some of that blood sugar, it will shake you. To release it in some way. So it's so telling you. The shakes, yeah. yeah. Well, We get the sweats um, to cut, cool our bodies down. Parts of our brain shut down. So blood flow reduces from um, the prefrontal cortex, which is our thinking brain, and our hippocampus, which is our memory. So this is why we often lose the capacity to remember things when we're really stressed. And so we're talking, and we're mm -hmm. like, I can't, I can't remember what I was going to say there. I know this thing that happened, we lose it because our body is directing all our energy purely to survival mode. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. It does. And is that, you know, um, it's, it's, it's going straight to survival mode yeah. because of for so long you've, that's all you've done. You know, you've trained your body. Or would you well, say, like, to naturally think like that because that's what it's familiar to it? You know, like how do you like get out of that? How do you, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things I always say to clients, if there's nothing else you remember in our work to do, always remember this. Sure. Right? Yeah. So everyone. Everyone listen up. <laughs> um, and it's this, that your body doesn't know what's real and what's not real. It just responds to information coming in. So that can be sensory information from the outside world, right? Yes. But it also responds to the things that you're rehearsing in your head. And if you're saying in your head is the story, I can't cope. This is too hard. They won't like me. Um, I'm not going to make it. How am I going to pay my bills? Your amygdala, that middle part of your brain, your, yes. your threat detector, uh, smoke detector. Right. It will go, holy shit, I'm going to die. That's, it's, that's it's reacting how it to only that. Like it's reacting to, you know, what you're... So giving it. it can't say this is not really a life threat, this is... Hey, man, uh, chill out. Like, don't worry about that. You'll no, get through this. This no. means nothing. It's fine. It just right. believes it to be real and it responds in the only way it knows how to protect you, which is activating what's called your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight. So I often use the metaphor of the toaster, like the, the, it, it, the burnt toast. 
right? Your amygdala is your um, smoke detector. Yeah. But he can't tell if the smoke is coming from a burning house or from burnt toast. Ah, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Gotcha. It just responds. It just responds. Yep. That's just responds. So it's yep. It's so the, the signals are there. Yeah. So it only responds to what you it's what you're giving it. What and what's, you're giving it. Mm. So paying attention to the stories that you're telling yourself, and it's incredibly powerful. You know, we do this exercise where we get people to imagine a lemon. Imagine the lemon. You're holding a huge, beautiful, bright yellow lemon, really ripe. You squeeze it. It's nice and soft and juicy. You can smell that lemon when you bring it bring it up to your nose. Yeah. And then I want you to imagine just tearing open that lemon, right? Can you imagine that? Just opening it up, opening squeezing up, it. And the juices are flying. Yeah. pips and it's running down your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah, 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 I can, yes. Now I want you to imagine bringing that lemon straight up and giving a big bite out of that lemon. <laughs> yeah. No, I right? can feel that. Yeah. You can feel no, thanks. That. Did you see what you did with your face then? No, I didn't. My eyes are here. I couldn't yeah. see. <laughs> you could see that. I could see, right? Feel it. No, yeah. You, you kind of squinched up your face. Yes. Right? And I don't know if you noticed if there was any more salivation in your mouth. A yep. lot of people, if you get into that exercise, will notice their oh, body wow. increasing the saliva. So it's responding to. But where's the lemon? Did you just test me? Yeah, I did. Uh. <laughs> where's the lemon, right? Right. It's here. It's yeah. in your head. Sorry. Yes, yeah. It's not physically here. You're, so you're allowing to know what the signal is from what you know you're your allowing. Your body you, responds yeah. to your head as if what you're saying is real. And this is how food marketing works, why we see so many advertisements of people opening the, the Coca-Cola can or biting into yeah. the burger because then we physiologically start to imagine what that tastes like. We get the salivation going and we want it. So another thing just to add with anxiety, what's going on at a physiological level or a brain level yep. is that as our this part of our brain, our thinking brain shuts down and our memory brain part shuts down, our brain will only focus or predominantly focus on threat and signs of threat because it goes into survival mode. That's what your body is trying to do is look after you. So you're more in an anxious state, you're more likely to see threat out of neutral situations than you would if you were in a calm so state. Is that is that something that you've gone to learn like it's just it's at a natural reaction. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's it. And we go into a state of survival. Survival. Yep. Defense, like to, yeah. you know, um, protect. And... To protect itself, yeah. Right. So when we get anxious, you I mean, I don't know if you've experienced this, I have, I'm more likely to see someone's words as being cut into me if I'm really anxious and worried than if I was kind of having a day at the beach really calm. I'm like, oh, you know, that's just them. I wouldn't worry. Yeah, okay. And that's my anxiety system. I'm primed to focus on threat because I'm trying to protect the organism or the body is trying to protect itself. So when you're in an anxious state, you're more likely to see threat, which will fuel even further anxiety. Which then would make it so hard to get back exactly you know you've gone too you know not yep. too far forward but you have you know you've crossed the line yep. um and it would be harder to get yourself get back, back to realization you know That's back right. to the you know, yep. starting point to go all right yep. 
because our thinking brain is shut down, our kind of awareness brain is shut down, and we get these anxious thoughts and mm -hmm. rumination that starts happening, and the overthinking, as yeah. you say. Yeah. And we get into a bit of a rumination cycle or an anxious thinking cycle, which can tend us down a dark tunnel. And then we look at our physiology. We go, I, I just feel awful. My gut feels, I feel nauseous in my gut because my digestive system shut down. Yep. Um, All these things I can breathe, just relate. You like, know, right. Sure. I feel physically awful. My mind is thinking awful. It seeds the physical cues. It tells me, oh, my God, I must be, there must be something really bad in the environment because I'm reacting this way and I feel this way. So you get this feedback loop between rumination thinking and physiology that feed into each other and you can spiral then into panic attack. Does that make sense, that kind of...? That, that honestly, yeah, Chrissy, yeah. that does. Hey, that, makes, that does make sense. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I hope it does for, you know, for the listeners yeah. out there and for anyone that is, um, you know, can relate to these things, like is it's just some value right here, some just important facts, but it's things that can actually help, you know, day to day. Yeah. Um, and then I think like coming back to nutrition again as well is that so if you think if your body is chronically stressed, you've got this chronic nervous system activity, your digestive system is not absorbing the food or the nutrients in the food because it's shut down. Are you not allowing it to? Because, like, so, yeah, you, so your body actually shuts down any system that is not about survival, immediate survival. Okay, okay. So it's your body shuts that down. It says, in order to survive this threat, which I perceive as immediate, I don't need to be consuming food right now. Mm. I'll shut that down. And often we get that sense of needing to wee and poo too, you know, the nervous wee. Your body's getting rid of stuff. I do. To, yeah, to just deal with that survival in the moment. And so physiologically, your body sees any kind of threat as life th and death threat. Your amygdala is saying, I'm going to die, whether it, whatever it is. And that's the physiological response. So from a nutrient level, you are then, you could be eating well, but if you're eating in a place of chronic stress mm. and on the run, your body's capacity to absorb nutrients from whatever food it's you're little. eating is very, very little. Right. So in that mindful eating, we talk about eating in a state of calm. They call it parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest, repair, digest space. Right. And that's where our body repairs itself well and digest well. And we need to be in a place of calm in order to get the best of our, out of our nutrition. So if you think about our immune system, 60% of our immune system resides in the gut, 60%. So your immune system will also shut down under a place of stress. And this is why we get sick when we're stressed, okay. right? Yeah. So important to remember that totally. as well. And in order to get your immune system back on board and functioning, you need to be in parasympathetic activity, which is this rest kind of calm space. So when you're eating, we should be eating mindfully, joyfully, in fellowship with other people. Present. Present. Mm. Bringing a sense of gratitude. So we talk about mindfulness, so that's kind of presence mm -hmm. and awareness. Mm -hmm. But bringing gratitude to the food that we're eating, really thinking about where does this come from, you know, not just who made and cooked the food, but where did the food came from the shop, the amount of people that were involved in giving 
bringing the food to your table, the farmers, yeah. you know. Yep. And you can go even beyond that to our ancestors that had to learn the wisdom of how to farm, yeah, sure. how to cook. I'll just plant this. And... The, the recipe that I have tonight to cook this, the, the ancestors that were required to develop that recipe. So bringing that awareness and gratitude places me in a space of calm. Places definitely. It slows so, you down. It allows you to slow yourself down because, yeah. you know, you're... Um, you're, uh, I guess, expanding on, you know, having a meal is, um, I guess, it's a, it's, it should be a, a special moment. You know, it should be a special um, time. You know, through the day to, you know, nourish our bodies and to, um, yeah, be mindful of, of what we're putting in. in. Yeah. yeah, and that's pleasurable, but it's that parasympathetic nervous system activity stuff that rest and repair that allows our body to digest that food well. And when it comes to anxiety, what we're doing is that we're too much in um, survival mode and not enough in that other mode. So we can then spiral into illness because we don't have um, the capacity for our body to then absorb those nutrients and reduce toxins. It just makes sense, you know, like it really does. Like so thankful for this information that you're sharing with us. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So on the flip side is that of that is, well, well, how do I deal with this then? If I'm in this kind of spiral of anxiety sure. and I don't know how to turn it off, my nervous system is just so hyper, what do I do about it? So um, a couple of things to remember. So coming back to that original point, you know, that our, pay attention to the stories that you're telling yourself. So remember that your body is going to respond as if it is real, and it will respond in, respond in survival mode. It's the only way it knows how. It is the only way it knows how. Okay. So we talk about with anxiety management, top-down processes, so the way we can think ourselves out of anxiety, and bottom-up, which is how can we change our physiology to shift our anxiety. So top-down is paying attention to the words we're telling ourselves in our head and not necessarily believing those words. So creating a place of mindfulness where we're observing our thoughts but not necessarily jumping on the bus and going for a ride with them or believing them to be useful, true or helpful. Right. So some little things that, that can be useful is to rather than say, I, I don't think I'm going to make this and, and 100% believing that and thinking so that. Don't believe what you're speaking. Like, don't. You can simply say to yourself, I'm having the thought mm-hmm. that I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Right? And so let me... That creates a bit of distance between you and the thought. Oh. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. So, and then it can be some positive reframing. Like, you know what? It could be hard, but I've survived something like this before. Yeah, so bringing up a similar, you know, time where you felt uncomfortable in that situation where you went through something similar and you're allowing yourself to recognise that and go, look, that happened, you know, at that time and this is sort of what I did and this is what helped me and this is, you know, I got through it. Yeah, really think about and pay attention to what's the stories you're saying up in your head and really challenge that stuff and try and create a bit of distance between yes. your awareness of the thoughts and the thoughts themselves. And don't get caught up in your toxic head. Yeah. <laughs> that can go, be toxic. Yeah. That, you know, that can control your thought process and your body and everything else. And go, you know what, give it a label. Like you might say, oh, that's just anxious thoughts, right? Uh, Rather than being 100% with those thoughts. Pay attention, go, you know what, if I was at the beach chilling out, 
I wouldn't be thinking this way. Yeah, yeah. This is just an anxious thought. Oh, it's all right. I see you. You know, you're just an anxious thought. I, I don't have to believe you. I don't have to start singing the song. You can just play in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. In terms of the bottom-up stuff, so our breath is so incredibly, incredibly important to nervous system activity. So as I said before, the, the first part usually of your body responding to threat is a change in your breath pattern because your body's trying to get as much oxygen into the body um, to pump that blood and um, so the sugars and the oxygen through to those major muscles. Um, so what we want to do is slow down the breathing and push it right down into your belly. And you might relate to this, but one of the the beautiful things I know about breathing, because I do a bit of biofeedback where I get people to um, they, they get attached to some mic some electrodes that measure their heart rate right? and there's a machine a ship a spaceship and in order to get that spaceship to move forward they've got to get into rhythm in their breath so we call it heart rate variability so when we breathe i know this is a long explanation but i will get there when we breathe we breathe in, our heart rate increases very quickly and it yes. activates sympathetic arousal. So this is our fight-flight response. When we breathe out, our heart rate slows down. It's not a, the same heart rate. What our body needs for calm is rhythm. It needs a constant rhythm between the in and the out breath or the, between the heart rate going in and out. So it will speed up and then it will slow down and it will speed up and it will slow down, but it does it at a consistent rhythm. So at our heart, our body is a dancer and it right, loves right. rhythm. So what we need to do to create that rhythm is to slow our breathing down and we need to try and create a consistent rhythm, rhythm between yeah. our in and our out breath. Okay. But we need to pull on the out breath so we elongate or make it longer the out breath because we know the out breath triggers rest and parasympathetic activity. So we might do four breaths, uh, four seconds in for in-breath and six seconds going out. And we do that over and over again for like five, ten minutes. And that will activate parasympathetic nervous system activity, which is our rest and repair stuff. Simple and that breathing. sends our message up to our brain that it's okay. At that amygdala, she goes, oh, it mustn't be too bad because... You know, you're really calm in your breath and start slowing everything down. So paying attention to that breath. Yeah, mindful of, of, of your breathing. Yeah. Do you um do you meditate? Yeah, I do mindfulness meditation. Okay. Yeah. So rather than visualization stuff, I yeah. can't quite get into that, but simply paying attention. Yeah. Uh, Bring yourself back to your breath. Beth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one thing, uh, like, I, I um, it almost sets myself up for my day, hey? Yeah. Just meditating. Um, and it's probably not as consistent as what it was when I first, like, you know, started meditating. And yeah. I just found this new tool, I guess, you know, of, like, wow, yeah. you know, it really sets myself up for my day. Um, you know, it allows me. And through my my days that are busy, yeah. um, what it's done, it's sort of taught me to um, – Bring myself back yep. to that calm state. Yeah, I guess you call it the you know the the mantra thought. You know your centered mantra thought, yeah. and and some days you know um, going through a busy or a stressful day like by just doing that, even just for a minute, allows me to get back to a calm state. Yeah, it allows me to focus on what I need to be focusing on. Yeah, 
at that time. And I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. Breathing, hey? Yeah, it's so simple. And if you think about all emotions are related to a type of breath, so what do you do when you're angry? A lot of people will hold their breath. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Triggers sympathetic activity. What do you do when you laugh? Um, what, was... what are you doing with your breath when you laugh? Do a laugh. <laughs> so breathing what, out. Breathing yeah. out. And isn't it interesting when we laugh, we breathe out? Because right. breathing out triggers Try breathing. parasympathetic activity, our calm place. It feels so good to laugh. Yeah, right. Letting it out. Letting it out. Is, yeah, okay. Where anxiety is breathing in, but breathing in in, in a irregular pattern. Well, I know that one. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Man, so interesting, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, just having this conversation is just allowing, you know, it to um, really make sense for a lot of people. And uh, I guess some other little tidbits, and uh, this stuff is pretty basic stuff, all right, but um, really important. And I, just for the little bit of the biology behind why these things are useful. So one is exercise. I know everyone talks about exercise and it's so hard to do. But when you're anxious, exercise is one of the most important things you can do because it releases some of that adrenaline that's pumping through your system and that glucose and that sugar and that energy that's in you. So it allows it a place to release. Sure. But also what um, exercise does is that after you exercise, it releases one of the neurotransmitters called GABA which is your anti-anxiety neurotransmitter, your calm neurotransmitter. So it's really good for creating calm. And most people will find that they feel like shit before they exercise and then afterwards they go, God, I feel so much better. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. the endorphins but also this, this GABA that runs through your bloodstream as well into your brain. Um, and the other thing that exercise does, it, it kind of, um, I, I'll call it a brain fertiliser. I won't do the technical term. And this particular chemical actually creates um, neurogenesis, which is um, new neurons in the brain, particularly in the areas of your prefrontal cortex, sure. so your okay. thinking brain, yes, yep, you're fine. As, yep. as well as your hippocampus, which is your memory system as well. Now, literally creates new neurons if you've got this brain fertilizer regularly fed in your in, in, in your brain. It's just amazing, hey? So exercise <laughs> does that for you as well. So really, really uh, important. And a lot of the research for mild to moderate, moderate anxiety and depression is showing again and again that it is um, either equal to psychotherapy or better than psychotherapy for long-term outcomes for mild to moderate depression and anxiety so go exercise 30 minutes a day or three 10 minute slots of exercise where you're pumping your your blood right you're pumping your heart getting more oxygen you think about that you're pumping your heart you're getting more oxygen and nutrients into your brain so you're feeding your brain yeah right so yep. Do it. It's good for you. Really, literally good for you. Well, there it is, guys. Uh, you know, uh, I hope you've all um, taken away something from this conversation here with Christy. You know, I know I sure have. And, um, hey, Christy, where, where can my listeners, uh, you know, get at you? You know, I know you've got your Facebook page there. Yeah, so I have a, a little Facebook page called Mood Food Psychology. Um 
And this is uh, just something. Some really important articles and things yeah. that you're sharing, things that you're just passionate about, right? I'm really passionate about, about the role of nutrition in mood, but also some of the other holistic practices that are really useful for benefiting mood. Bit of stuff around environmental stuff as well and why the soil is so important because so much... Well, all of our nutrients come from our soil. So if we're not looking after our soil, if we're not looking after the planet, we're not looking after ourselves. We are literally it. So looking at some of that that research there as well. So um, check it out if you're interested. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I have a very small private practice in New Zealand um, and we can perhaps uh, put some details down on definitely yeah no i'll have um i'll have some links uh through to christy's pages and and um but hey christy thank you so much for this conversation thank my you so pleasure. much thanks no my pleasure thank you